Welcome to another episode of Breakthrough, America's leading podcast for writers, as well as actors and filmmakers. And now to our host, James Polakoff. Welcome to another episode of Breakthrough. I'm James Polakoff. And before we begin our interview, I'd like to thank the thousands of writers, as well as actors and filmmakers, who regularly listen to my podcasts. I additionally want to acknowledge the many requests we've received for me to interview literary agents who represent both nonfiction and fiction authors, as well as screenplay writers. During 2022, I assure you that we're going to feature a number of leading agents, so stay tuned for that. Now, I have great news for writers who want to find an agent and better understand how this industry works. My very special guest is Jane Friedman, who has 20 years of experience in the publishing industry and is one of the leading experts in providing business strategies for both authors and publishers. In 2019, Jane was awarded Publishing Commentators of the Year by Digital Book World, and recently her newsletter was named Media Outlet of the Year. Jane's uh, latest book is called The Business of Being a Writer, and after this interview, I guarantee you, you're going to jump on your computer and immediately order a copy. So let's not wait a minute longer. Welcome, Jane Friedman. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Jane, let's jump right into my first question. In today's marketplace, in your opinion, what has a bigger market, fiction or nonfiction? Well, if you just look at the volume of what's published, the number of books every year, nonfiction wins readily. I don't know what the exact percentages might be, but it's a pretty big disparity. Like it might be 60-70% in favor of nonfiction. That doesn't mean that fiction is harder to publish necessarily. It's just that when you look at all of the different fields and categories and areas of interest out there, that there are a lot. <laughs> so it, it includes all of, you know, the educational publishers and technical well, publishers. Yeah, that's kind of amazing. I think many of our we have a large uh, audience of writers and I think Many are going to be amazed about that because the gut reaction is to think, oh, there are so many fiction books out there. Fiction is number one. But that's very interesting that nonfiction really dominates. It does. You know, I should add the caveat, though, that, you know, in the last year, 2021, when you look at the sales, it was fiction that grew. That doesn't mean that it has it grew bigger than nonfiction, but it's the one that's seeing growth. And, you know, it'll be be interesting to see if that carries on past um, the first couple of years of the pandemic. Well, uh, lately, many of our the inquiries that we get on our website come from uh, nonfiction writers. Um, and we know with this group, it's very important to have a platform. Incredibly important, I suppose. But what do you feel are the essential elements in terms of putting together a platform for a writer, nonfiction in particular? I often talk about the magical marketing trifecta, which is a combination of having a really strong website, author website, or small press website, an email newsletter list, and then some form of engagement online, typically through a social media site, although it might be some other type of community site. It doesn't have to be you know, Twitter or TikTok or something. Mm -hmm. It could be a message board full of people who are your target readers. So that's where I tell people to focus their energies. Obviously, there's a lot more that builds a platform than those three things. And I've focused on just the digital piece. There's mm -hmm. your relationships, your network, the positions you've held, the community that you've built over time in your region, in your city, lots of different forms of platform. But most people tend to be focused on the more 
um, let's say, visible aspects of platform in order to get a book deal. And so I would imagine it boils down to how many followers you have. Well, I think that's a shortcut for understanding someone's visibility or prominence in a particular community. There are ways to buy followers. It's possible to have a big following. That means absolutely nothing in terms of book sales. So it always has to be qualified with actual, like, does this person have an influence? Are they engaging with the people who follow them? Mm-hmm. All right. Interesting. All right. So let's say a writer has a good uh, platform and uh, let's say that, or he or she, you know, is in the process of pretty putting together a pretty uh, viable platform. Now it's time to find an agent. In your opinion, what's the best way to begin searching for an agent that would be interested in your genre or genres? It's a pretty straightforward process of going to two or three databases that are maintained and updated with agent information. Now, some people really hate this research and there's nothing they would, uh, no responsibility they'd rather pass off more quickly. Um, But I think it's really important for a writer to conduct some of this research themselves. So some of the databases include uh, the Publishers Marketplace, Deals Database. They also have lots of agent and editor listings, but you typically find out the agents who are interested in your work by studying what they've sold. Uh, there's a something called Writer's Market, which can be useful. Um, there's Query Tracker, which also has a database of agents. There's uh, mswishlist.com, which tracks agents and editors talking about what they're looking for. So once you, you know, start pulling from these various resources, you're going to find the same names popping up frequently. Well, some of the nonfiction writers I know, for example, they face certain problems. They go into a publishing guide and, and the agent lists the genres that they are most interested in or interested in. And then later on, you found out that that's not really what they're interested in. <laughs> I, I suppose looking for interviews that these agents would have, most of them interview from time to time or whatever. I mean, how do you find out what they're really interested in? Well, it takes a little bit of friendly stalking if you don't entirely trust their submission guidelines. So obviously, social media is a great way to do that on Twitter, especially is where agents tend to talk about what they're looking for. But the real proof is in what they've sold. So just going to their website and looking at their client list or the books Mm -hmm. they've sold, that tells you truly what they're interested in. Um, So that's that's the final word in my mind. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Now, we get to the point of, of the first step, obviously, is to query the agent, uh, in, in most cases, at least. And apparently, many agents, um, when you query them, they'll ask for a, well, we'll, we'll get back to you in four to six weeks. And uh, if we're interested, mm-hmm. uh, the writer, the author never really knows, well, okay, four to six weeks, what's happening in the meantime? And also, they're not interested. They're not going to let you know, perhaps at all. So you're sitting and you're waiting. Is there anything that an author can do to move this process along once they submit a query? There's no way to make the agent or publisher respond any more quickly. You know, the guidelines they state you have to live with and accept. There's there's no way to light a fire. Um, but I do suggest that people not submit to one place at a time. You should submit in batches of, say, maybe 10, 15, depending on how long your list is. I usually recommend sending out to about 20 to 25% of your list at a time. And then every four weeks, assess and then send out another batch. Usually, especially with nonfiction, agents know right away if they're interested. And in practice, it doesn't typically take four to six weeks for a nonfiction project to be considered. 
if it's mm-hmm. being evaluated on the basis of a proposal. Fiction can take longer, so it just depends on if your full manuscript is requested. You know, it can take them two to four weeks to read that. Sure. First stage of the query, of course, uh, you're asking them or you're telling them about your project uh, if they're interested or not interested in your subject matter. Then comes the proposal. Mm-hmm. But as far as the query goes, you just sit and wait and hope for the best. And in generally, your opinion, they get to you back. They get back fairly quickly if they if there's any interest at all. They do. And partly it's very competitive, actually, among agents. They assume that you're querying multiple places at once. And if they say if they see a good project, they know they have to act pretty quickly. So bingo, you found an agent who's interested in the proposal. In in terms of putting together the proposal, do you find that there's just, in other words, if an author puts together a standard proposal uh, and submits that each time, or do you find that agents differ quite a bit on the type of proposal they require? The challenging part of this is that there's not really an industry accepted definition of what's in a book proposal. It differs a little by you know whoever's preparing it. Um, the sort of book it is. Every proposal is unique. You will find some agents who are pretty prescriptive, like they'll just lay down the law. You've got to give me this or that. But most proposals all have the same information, even if it's called something different. Um, So for instance, there's a competitive title analysis. Uh, There's something about your marketing plan and your platform. There's something about uh, who the readership is for the book. There are some sample chapters. So there's a lot of commonalities, even if they get discussed in different ways or if the proposals are executed a little differently. In one of your, of course, and we're going to mention this again, you have a free newsletter called Electric Speed. And I noticed in one of your newsletters, you wrote the following. It's natural to assume the book proposal should discuss what your book is about. But Jane, you say this is a mistake. The focus should be on why the book matters, correct? Yes, that's right. Many writers are really passionate about the content of the book, the argument they're making, you know, whatever benefit is in there, or maybe it's a story like a narrative nonfiction book. And people feel like if I can only, you know, tell people all the wonderful things that are in this book, they will immediately want to buy it. But it's really more about why does anyone care in the first place? Why does it matter today? Because nonfiction does have to carry relevance for our times. Mm -hmm. And then why are you the best person to be writing the book? Good suggestions. I've also been intrigued because you mentioned this earlier about comparable books. You're you're a writer and you are writing in a particular genre, your subject matter, uh, and you're asked to talk about comparable books and why your book is unique. Now, does that necessarily mean that a writer is going to have to read all the comparable books in order to to say, here's where I'm different or not? You don't necessarily have to read them all front front to back. However, especially with nonfiction, you have to understand how you're competing against the books that are most likely to be on the shelf next to yours. So you, you you need to understand the strengths and weaknesses of recently published titles and by recent, like within the last two to five years. I think that's an easier hurdle to get over than, you know, every every book in the last 10 years. And it, and also we're talking about things that are really competitive, not things that are a tangent. Um, those well, are what- that's a good question because, you know, you look at some of these books and you as a 
as an author, you have no idea how many books they've sold. I mean, they might have mm-hmm. sold a hundred copies or thousands. You have no mm-hmm. way to to really ascertain that, do you? Well, there are some good rules of thumb. So, for example, if the book is being stocked in a Barnes and Noble or an independent bookstore, you can pretty much guarantee it's successful, or else it wouldn't be sitting on the shelf somewhere. As opposed to say you found it in an Amazon search, who knows um, right. how much it's sold just based on you finding it there. The other good guideline is looking at how many reviews it has on Goodreads or Amazon. If it's a total ghost town, if there aren't customer reviews, that's not a great sign. Um, you can so, you can sometimes estimate a book will get reviewed one to five percent of the time by people who purchase online. So that'll quickly get you to some idea of how successful it is in relation to the field. That's a very good suggestion. So now uh, your agent indicates an interest, the proposal is sent. Uh, Is there anything you can do as an author to move that process along? Or you just, again, sit and wait once that proposal is submitted? You have to sit and wait. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I thought that's the answer, but you never know. Okay. So victory, uh, the agent agrees to represent an author. Is there anything the author can do to help the agent in securing a publisher? It's usually out of the author's hands at that point. You have to let the agent do their job of submitting to the publishers and then not doing anything that would wreck a deal, which would mean like doing things on social media that are really not appropriate, which that what that is, is going to depend on the book. And like, it's also not good to talk about the sales or pitching process while it's underway in public. You know, some of the same things, it's like good common sense, right? It's like if you put your, to use a real estate analogy, if you put your house on the market, you probably shouldn't talk about every single detail behind the scenes, um, which might not be favorable to you if everyone's listening and watching what you're saying. All right. Well, that makes sense. So let's look at the downside. Uh, you know, an author feels that they have a good manuscript, good story. Uh, everything has been, I mean, they've worked on it for years. Um, but agents aren't picking it up. How do you feel about going directly to publishers? And are there viable publishers that you can go to in the nonfiction field? There are countless nonfiction publishers that would be worth someone's time. Um, And sometimes these smaller independent houses are in fact better than a a big New York house, Um, just because smaller publishers that focus on, let's say they focus on equestrian books, or they focus on serving a cooking. Exactly. They tend to have better focused marketing and promotion, uh, particularly direct to consumer, like through email or social. Um, They might be in special markets that a bigger publisher wouldn't be in. So these are absolutely viable options. It's just that you might not get as big of an advance. You might have to moderate your expectations in terms of this will be reviewed in the New York Times, Uh you know, some of those things. Um, But most publishers outside of New York do accept unagented work. So it's worth looking at the options. So where do you go to find these publishers? Uh, Many of the same resources I mentioned before, you can find them. Uh, discussed in the deals database at Publishers Marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find them through a site called duotrope.com. Duotrope. Uh, that, okay. I've heard of that. Yeah. And Quarry Tracker 2 lists them. Writers Market lists them. So a lot of the places that list agents will also list publishers. Will list the publishers. So you strike out with the agents. You strike out with the publishers. You feel you have a good book. How do you feel like about uh, self-publishing? 
It depends on what, what you want out of it. So some people, when they publish their book, they really want to see it on bookstore shelves. They want to see it adopted by libraries. They want to get mainstream media attention. And that's really hard when you self-publish, especially if you've only got the one book or if you've never before published something, you're trying to gain credibility by yourself with the very first thing you've put on the market. So you have there has to be some boldness and confidence there. Um, that's not to say it's a bad idea to self-publish. It's just that some people don't realize that there, you know, you are at a disadvantage for certain types of marketing, promotion, and sales. Well, I the would more, wonder. I would think that you would need a, a, a war chest as far as marketing <laughs> is concerned to be able to advertise or promote the book. I would think this would be a challenge, or else, how do you really get it out there? The publisher at least gets it out there for you, right? Well, a lot of the traditional methods, things that a traditional publisher would use, that is not the right path for a self-published author. You're focused on sending people to Amazon in many cases, selling online, selling ebook form, and then advertising on places like Amazon or social mm-hmm. media like Facebook. So you're not trying to um, you know, knock down the doors of the places that your traditional publisher would be in because it's it's uh, too much, too much fight for very little in return trying to well, get stocked in a bookstore. I think that makes sense. Jane, I'm, I'm aware that uh, what you do, you're one of the best of the business. That's the reason we really appreciate you coming aboard for this interview. Tell us a little bit about what you do, how you help writers along uh, their careers, personal coaching, book editing, online classes. Can you tell us a little bit about the services you offer? Yeah, today, my what I mainly focus on is online education. So I offer a series of of affordable classes every month by experts in the industry and other authors. So these cover the craft, the business, and everything in between. I teach some myself also. Um, I both teach on my own and with partner organizations. And then I have a subscription newsletter. It's a paid newsletter in addition to the free one you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, The paid newsletter is industry trends, news, things that affect authors' earnings, what they can get published. It helps authors understand where the market is going so they're they're not surprised when when changes occur. So obviously the free newsletter and and I've you know I'm one of your subscribers. So uh, because I found it very interesting what you have to say. I mean there are so many news newsletters out there and then there are those that are valuable. And I have to tell our listeners it's it's such a great experience to read your newsletters even though they're free. Uh, they still have a wealth of information. But let's go a step further with your professional published newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a fee for that particular newsletter. You don't have to state it now, but I guess they go to your website, which we're going to talk about in a minute, and uh, they'll find out what this costs. But that really gives them a greater insight into the market. We're, we're kind of touching the surface with the electric uh, uh, speed newsletter that you have mm-hmm. and then getting more in depth with the professional one, I guess. That's right. I think the professional one is people who are fairly committed to, let's say, earning money in in the commercial marketplace, whether you self-publish or traditionally publish, it's, it applies to all authors. Uh, your recommendation, though, but as far as personal coaching, you don't do much of that anymore then. If somebody wants to say, I want you to help me with my book and I'll pay you whatever it takes <laughs> to make it happen. I don't offer that any longer, but I do have recommended resources at my site and a private list too. So I do make referrals. Do you still do any book editing? I do not. Okay. So you don't do that, but 
probably, again, through your professional newsletter, you'd be able to recommend uh, those uh, book editors who do who are good at what they do. Absolutely. I think that's the other important thing is to find a book editor. I myself have found out in the past that there are the the good and the, <laughs> the bad, so to speak. <laughs> and to find a book editor that really can help you along is is uh, and has insights towards what agents are looking for or publishers. That's a difficult process. Yes. So you can your online classes are able to put forth that information. Tell us a little bit about the online classes. So they're they're conducted live with the instructor in a webinar style format with Q&A. And then if you can't attend live, you get everything that a live attendee would get. So it's the recording plus the answered questions. And we can forward questions to the instructor if you have them. So it's um, most classes are $25 a piece. Um, Very inexpensive. Yeah. The hope is that you would be able to take several over the year. Um, you know, rather than have to make some hard decision about whether is is this really worth it, <laughs> you know. Um, so, you know, we have an upcoming one on book publicity. There'll be one in March on book proposals, in fact, although that's geared for scholarly and academic authors. There's one coming up on social media and Instagram. So, you know, mm. all sorts of topics, some of them genre focused. Do they also get into elements of, uh, shall we say, a platform that an author is going to have to have? Do you get into that? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure I'm right. You go to janefriedman.com. It's that simple, isn't it? It's that simple. Friedman spelled F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. That's right. Mm Janefriedman.com. And uh, well, also, I should point out that all of the information for our guests and yourself in particular, we're going to have all of the information on our website, which is breakthrough-podcast.com. And uh, we'll have, you know, your information, how to contact you and all of that. But in the meantime, if you want a quick fix on it, and we've also also talked about your latest book that I mentioned in our introduction, uh, but we just go to janefriedman.com and we get what we need. Mm-hmm. That's right. Very valuable information, Jane. I want to thank you so much. Uh, we just kind of touched the surface. We talked about non-fiction. Uh, Hopefully, you might consider coming back again, and we can explore a few more uh, areas. I would love to, James. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. I'll be right back in a moment with further information, so stay tuned. Again, we want to thank our thousands of listeners who join us faithfully. Keep sending in your comments and questions to our website, Breakthrough dash podcast.com that's breakthrough dash podcast.com and remember can access all of jane friedman's information on our website and tune in to james polakoff's other informative podcasts body mind and soul also available on all major podcast platforms including spotify apple google and many others again we want to thank our thousands of listeners who join us faithfully we were so fortunate to have jane friedman as a guest on this episode Again, you can find all about Jane at her website, janefriedman.com, and on our website as well, breakthrough-podcast.com. This is James Polikoff, and I thank you for once again joining me. Check our website for future podcasts. I'll see you there.